Certainly excited and uh, elated that you all are able to join us as far as Bible study is concerned on this day. And we're looking forward to the Lord um, unpacking some rich and uh, wonderful learning as far as the time that is ours is concerned. Um, this is going to be a very thought provoking uh, lesson that I hope and pray we can take away a lot of uh, good things because this is basically dealing with. Uh, how God looks at those who are rich and how they oppress those that are poor. So um, this should be uh, a wonderful, wonderful sharing as far as our time is concerned. And uh, before we get started, I'm just going to ask if we could, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer as we sense and seek what God will do as far as the time that is ours is concerned. God, we come to you right now and we thank you for the wonderful opportunity to study your word, to um, really understand and appreciate what you desire for us to know and to do. And as we come right now, God, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we don't take for granted how you have blessed us uh, to have this opportunity to share as far as your word is concerned. So, Lord, if you would, in your own imitable way, show yourself mighty and strong have your way, O oh God, in this moment, so that ultimately, um, as we continue to uh, grow in your word, that we will not be like these rich people that James is talking about. Uh, give us the insight. Give us ears to hear what your spirit has to say and us the ability to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, um, as far as uh, our time is concerned, uh, this is going to be a very, again, rich, rich opportunity for us to learn uh, really how God appreciates those that are oppressed and how he comes to their aid. So James chapter five, James chapter five, we want to look at verses one through six, James chapter five, verses one through six. And I'll be reading from the um, uh, New King James Version of the Word of God. Uh, for all of those that are joining us, thank you all for joining us online. If you would, in the chat, just say, hey, pastor, I'm here. would love to know uh, how many folks are, are with us as far as this time is concerned. So let's get ready to do some exegetical work, some dig work. Uh, marking up our uh, biblical text. Come now, you rich, and I want you to circle the word rich. Weep and howl for your miseries. I want you to underline the phrase, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupt. Underline the phrase, riches are corrupt. And your garments are moth-eaten. Underline the phrase, Garments are moth-eaten. 
verse three, your gold and silver are corroded. Underline the phrase gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you. I like that phrase. Corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat up your flesh like fire. I like that phrase. Eat up your flesh like fire. You uh, you have heaped up treasures in the last days. If you would underline that sentence, you have heaped up treasures in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mow your fields, which you have kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. I want you to underline the phrase, the Lord of the Sabbath. Verse five, you have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. Highlight that phrase. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as a day of slaughter. If you would underline that phrase, you have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Then verse six, you have condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. If you would highlight all of that. All right. Now let's get ready to do some some dig work uh, as far as this uh, text is concerned, because um, uh, James is really going in, and I, I want to set up the context for what we're getting ready to share with you. James is dealing with first of all self centered, rich people who are not believers. All right. Let me say it again. James is dealing with self-centered, rich people who are not believers. Okay. These are people who are not considered to be part of the church, but he is writing to them to, to deal with them as far as where they are. Okay. And, 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 one of the things that that James really wants to drive home is the fact uh, that when you have a lot of money, uh, you allow for money to become your idol. Get that? You allow for money to become your idol. And what James wants us to understand is that God doesn't have any issues, first of all, with people who have money, with people who are wealthy. God's issue is with people who have money, whose money has become their God and who oppress the poor. And James wants us to understand that those who oppress the poor are going to be dealt with severely. Um, most likely, Folks think in the judgment, but God can deal with them severely in the here and now. So let's unpack this in a very meaningful and 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 um, uh, substantive way that I hope and pray will help us to appreciate um, what God is is doing. 
So when he says in verse one, come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries are coming upon you. Um, here, here's the thing with the rich people back then and rich folks, even in today's culture, so often they become the object of jealousy. And James wants us to understand one thing or one group of people you should not really be jealous of are rich people because oftentimes people who are rich and this is not everybody that's rich but particularly people who are rich who do not have jesus christ in their lives for them money is their god the pursuit of riches is their objective as far as life is concerned and that's all they do so what what happens is that if I was to give you some advice about money and what God has to say as far as money is concerned, first of all, the danger of money <clears throat> is that we forget God. The danger of money is that we can forget God. And, <clears throat> excuse me, we can take advantage of others and act dishonestly. Okay? There are people who are rich that they got their riches in an ill-gained way or a way that was not godly. And they wind up taking advantage of others. And then people who are rich also can be very greedy. They can be very greedy. In other words, um, they never get enough. They have what is considered to be an insatiable an insatiable appetite, all right? And sadly, they allow for money to take the place of God. Let me say that again. They allow for money to take the place of God. So James is lamblasting these people who have more of an intimate relationship with wealth and riches than they do with God. So that's the danger. That's the danger of money. Now, I want to clear up, if I could, a perspective as far as uh, how today's culture looks at money, because Unfortunately, the same things that James was addressed were addressing then, those same things are being addressed now. Greediness, dishonesty, taking advantage of others, thinking that you're Mr. and Mrs. B because you got a lot of money and, and things of that sort. All right. God's problem, and I want you to hear me well, is not with 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 your money okay let, let me say that again god god's issue is not with you having money god's issue is when your money has you now unfortunately uh rich people they take a uh they get lambasted even in church um um unfortunately because a lot of people tend to be envious of them but you don't know all the things that folks have to go through 
in order to get the riches that they have. And I would even dare say that for some people, um, unfortunately, the more money they get or the more money they have, the less they go to church anyway. Can we keep it real? All right. I think that's probably the reason why some why Lord let hasn't let some of you all hit the lottery because Lord know He let you hit the lottery. You ain't never come back to church. <laughs> but 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 here is this danger, and and James is really helping us to understand that the pleasures that you get from money is temporary. It's temporary. So if, if I could be 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 um, give you some advice about money uh, that would be relatively godly is to give generously and, and cheerfully to help those who can't help themselves. Um, uh, to give to the work of the Lord, that that would be to the church or to different agencies that's, that's helping those who can't help themselves. An, an, another piece of advice is to get out of debt and stay out of debt. Okay. Another piece of advice is to tithe and give offerings. And there's a difference between tithing and giving offerings. Tithing is considered to be a tenth of your income. Uh, again, some people, they ask me, should I tithe on my gross or my net? I tell folks it depends on what type of blessing you want, whether you want a net blessing or a gross blessing. <laughs> okay. But, but, but um, you can't beat God giving no matter how hard you try. So tithe. Here is a good one. Don't co-sign somebody else's debt. Be it family or friend. Whew. How many of us have gotten in trouble co-signing somebody else's debt? And then don't accept bribes. All right. Uh, provide for your family. Pay your taxes. Uh, plan wisely for the future. Okay. That's where we talk about doing investments and things like that. And realize that everything comes from God. All right. Okay. Everything comes from God. Um, understand that your money cannot buy salvation. Riches do not last. Unfortunately, money cannot satisfy. Uh, statistics have shown that people who uh, come into a lot of money all of a sudden uh, like hitting the lottery or something like that. In five to seven years, they're broke uh, because they 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 did not manage well. Don't show favoritism to those who are rich. Don't show favoritism to those who are rich. Um, when you have money, it carries a responsibility. And here is hopefully one that will bless you all real good. Obey God rather than chase money. 
And then here's a word to employers. And this is where James really drives it home. And we're going to expound upon this in just a minute. Pay wages in full and right away. Okay. If you promise somebody that you're going to pay them something, keep your word. Understand that God is going to judge employers who unfairly withhold wages. Okay. God is going to judge those who, who unfairly withhold wages. And then just be fair about how you pay people. Okay. Um, unfortunately, one of the places where we have this issue as far as uh, paying people uh, a decent wage is in the church. Um, but also we see it in society now with what I call the great resignation that's been purported all over the news where people are tired of working for for $7 and, and, and 25 cent an hour wage. And now those wages have been doubled. You can't live off $7 and 25 cent an hour. Uh, so there are many companies that see people walking off the job because they don't want to pay, you know, they don't want to accept those wages. And that's very understandable. Now, let's get to the nitty gritty and let's really unpack this thing. James says, come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries are coming upon you again. Most likely he's dealing with non-believers, non-believers. And here is the sad thing about rich non-believers. James doesn't believe that any of them are going to repent and be delivered. Okay. Now, when he says, you rich weep and howl for your miseries are coming upon you. At the time he's writing this letter, most of those people probably are living the fabulous life. Got plenty of food, plenty of money, plenty of clothing. But James is saying misery is coming. Not in earthly suffering, but in eternal suffering. And there should be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Okay, when you see that word weep and howl, that's referring to a lament, contrition, like, oh, God, how did I wind up in, in this? Now, here's the thing that, that, that I want to drive home to those of us who aren't rich. Um, while the rich one day in eternity may have to weep and howl. Uh, we as followers of Jesus Christ ain't got no reason to gloat. Let me say that again. Uh, we have no reason to gloat. We can't be sticking our chest out going like, uh-huh, that's what you deserve. Remember that when you submit to God, it never allows us to move too far from having to repent of our sins and having to be draped in humility. All right. Uh, I really want to drive this home because we got to understand that the only difference between the rich unbeliever and us 
is grace. We've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We bask in the eternality of God. Now, James, you know, pushes this home in verse two. He says, your riches are corrupt. Your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver corrode. And your corrosion is going to be a witness against you. Your riches are corrupt. Here's what he's really trying to help us understand. That money is so unstable, especially in today's culture. Think about it, where we are right now. We're seeing inflation rising. Money is not going as far as it has gone in the past few days. Uh, he is basically saying that your clothes will rot. As a matter of fact, it's the image of a rich person having so many clothes, some they haven't even worn, uh, but because they have not worn them, the moths have gotten to them and have destroyed them. All right. So I, I, I want to drive home the fact that money does not provide the security we think it should. It does. Just because you got a lot of money doesn't necessarily mean you are secure. Now, James makes it so that he's saying that uh, you all are so rich. You got so many pieces of clothing that before your clothes wear out, the moths have eaten them and 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 um, um, they're no good. So here is where I really want to drive this point home, because how many folks that you know have so many clothes in their closet and the fact they got clothes that they haven't even taken the tags off? Okay. If you're not careful, you will allow for those things to become defining essence of who you are. And the Lord says through his word that one day the moths are going to get them. Okay. Now, here is what I want to, if I could, just for the time that is mine, give a distinction between saving and Hoarding, H-O-A-R-D-I-N-G, saving and hoarding. And unfortunately, a lot of us don't save, we hoard. Okay? Uh, a lot of us don't save, we hoard. All right? So here's the benefits of saving. The benefits of saving is it shows good stewardship of the resources that God has given you. It makes a person able to respond to the needs of others when you save. It assumes that God sometimes provides for people through other people. And you got to be responsible for preparing for tomorrow. And it shows wise spending decisions. So, so that's the benefits of saving. Uh, but a lot of us hoard. We collect stuff and do nothing with it. And, and when you hoard, you're putting your security and faith in things 
and you act independent of God. Um, it promotes a sense of superiority over others. Uh, it assumes that what you gain in material possessions is only for your benefit. Uh, it, you indulge rather than invest. And at times you engage in impulsive spending. So that's that's the danger of hoarding. Uh, so I see a question about what about those in the church who exhibit this type of behavior? The wonderful thing about those that are in the church who exhibit this type of behavior is that they can repent. Okay, they can repent and change. The unfortunate reality is that there are people who are unbelievers who are not going to repent or who are not going to change. Okay, so hopefully uh, that answers your question. L let me, if I could. Um, uh, share uh, some insight that Jesus had an encounter uh, in the Bible. Um, your riches are corrupt. Your garments are moth-eaten. Gold and silver are corroded. Your corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat up your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. All right. Now, watch this. Watch this. This is where I really want to drive this home. There is there, there, there are a few instances, particularly with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and scribes in the Bible, where they come to Jesus, they try to put Jesus in a trick bag, and they have no belief, no belief in Jesus. Okay, I mean, none whatsoever. No belief in Jesus. They they wouldn't even give Jesus a second, third, or fifth thought. OK, they're, they're not they're, they're no belief. All right. But then there were those who believed in Jesus, wanted to know Jesus better. Um, and they came to Jesus. One of them was um, a rich was Nicodemus and Nicodemus was um the the uh, uh, a Pharisee, he had money. He came to Jesus, and um, uh, at night, that was from a religious perspective. But I want to share a story with you, and I believe it's in uh, I want to say Matthew nineteen, and I'm gonna pull that up for us, uh, and I want to share share this with you, Matthew nineteen. Um, and and it's, it, it deals with what is called the rich young ruler. And this is the only story in the Bible where I saw someone who came to Jesus and they were worse off leaving Jesus before they were before they came to him. In, 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 in Matthew chapter 19, the story of the rich young ruler, it says, uh, now behold, one came and said to, to Jesus, good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may eat? inherit eternal life. Jesus said to the rich young ruler, why do you call me good? No one is good but God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to Jesus, which ones? Jesus says, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not uh, bear false witness or lie. Uh, honor your mother and father. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. 
Look at the young man, rich young man. Sticks out his chest. I've been doing that ever since I was a youngster. Knee high to a pup. What do I lack? Notice what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, and that word perfect in the Greek is mature. You want to go on this spiritual journey. You want to become all that God will have for you to be. Go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Verse 22 says, but then the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. That rich young ruler was better off not coming to Jesus. Okay. All right. Um, um, rich young ruler was keeping the commandments, keeping the law. Jesus says, sell what you have, give to the poor. You have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. And the rich young ruler walked away. And Jesus said to his disciples, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And when the disciples heard this, they were standing saying, who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. It's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven because guess what? His riches, is, his riches becomes his God. It's easy for the camera to go through an eye of a needle. And, and I've heard preachers try to preach this, talking about the needle was, you know, where the camera has to stoop down and go through a little gate. No. Jesus is actually saying the eye of a sewing needle. <laughs> he ain't talking about no gate. Jesus is actually talking about the eye of a sewing needle. Jesus is saying a camel can go through the eye of a sewing needle a whole lot easier than a rich man can enter a kingdom. And that's why the disciple said, who can be saved? And notice what Jesus says. Jesus gives the answer. Verse 26, he says, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So if you leave God out of the equation, even when you have money, it will be impossible for you to enter the kingdom. But when you have God in your life and you have money and you are rich and you are wealthy, then guess what? God also has access to your wealth. Here, here is when you, I tell folks and folks hate to hear me talk about money, but I ain't got no problem talking about money because I understand that if God ain't got your pocketbook, God ain't really got you. But if God does have your pocketbook, then God can make some demands upon you by virtue of the fact that God has redeemed you, not your riches. All right. Now, here is. Here is where I really want to, to, to drive some points home, because James talks about how gold and silver are corroded. And here's what I want to drop on us. 
it's kind of hard to envision gold and silver corroding, but they can become tarnished. Okay? You ever seen tarnished silver? It turns brown. You ever seen tarnished gold? It, it looks unkempt. The reason why gold and silver are tarnished is because they have not been touched and they have not been touched because it has been hoarded and it has been hoarded because people place their confidence in the gold and silver. So they're not dealing with it. They don't touch it. They're hoarding it. Now, in today's culture, a lot of people don't have gold and silver, but we got stocks and uh, bonds in the market. And here is the unfortunate reality about the market. The stock market can make you rich one day and rob you the next. Remember the Great Depression. As a matter of fact, um, back in 2008, a lot of folks lost a lot of their investment in the stock market. Now, the stock market is riding high like a hog right now. But one day, it may come tumbling down. So James wants us to understand, don't put your confidence in your riches because it will leave you broken. When he talks about how the corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat up your flesh like fire, this is the irrefutable evidence that reveals that when you're greedy, when you're selfish, when you're uh, wicked because you're rich, that sooner or later, the judgment of God will fall upon you and you will be left out of the kingdom. Now, let's be honest. There are a lot of poor people across this country. And there are a lot of poor people in the world. And God is really siding with those that are poor and disinherited and oppressed than he does with those who have a lot of money who think they got it going on. Okay? Your riches will not sustain you. Notice what he says. He says um, that you've heaped up treasure in the last days. Now, you got to understand the context of, of, of what James is dealing with as far as this time is concerned. James is dealing with the fact that the people during his time really thought that Jesus was getting ready to come back immediately. So James is writing in such a way to say, you know, as you're looking for the return of Jesus, you are laying up treasures here on earth that when he come back ain't going to mean nothing. And here is where well, I know some folks may not like what I'm getting ready to say, but you have people who are going to face the wrath of God because they have chased earthly treasures to the exclusion of heavenly riches. Let me say it again. They have chased earthly treasures instead of heavenly riches. And heavenly riches, my brothers and sisters, cannot be monetarily measured. All right. In other words, your hoarding of your riches means you no good. 
and it just might cause you to go to hell. I know for some folks, that's 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 a harsh word. That's a harsh word. Um, but I'm just laying it out the way the scripture lay it out. Now, this is in verse four. This is where where where, where James really, really, <laughs> this is where this is where James really go off. And again, he is dealing with rich unbelievers, and and this is where he, I mean, he just just lets them have it. He is saying to those that have the ability to pay people, hey, um, you all are going to have to face the judgment of God in how you have defrauded the poor. Back then, people were, for the the most part, sharecroppers like our ancestors did back in the day. And 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 James is saying, um, rich people, the way you have treated the poor, forcing them off their land by foreclosing them, hiring them to work out on your big estate, your big mansion, and starving them. You're going to have to see that again in the judgment. Okay. God, whether you realize it or not, sides with people who are done wrong. And and here's what we got to understand. James is really bringing the weight of God's worth ethic into the Bible to bear on the conditions that that James is talking about. If these rich people are Jewish unbelievers, perhaps they will respond to the condemnation that God consistently level against those who cheat in their business dealings, withholding wages, not giving people their fair share as far as crops are concerned. God wants us to understand that when you don't treat people right, and especially when it comes to their wages, you're going to have to pay for that. And as quiet as it's kept, folks don't want to hear about that. Uh, they, they don't want they don't like us talking about that. In other words, there are some folks who are saying, well, listen, that's um, that ain't got nothing to do with the church. I'm here to let you know that if God is going to be the Lord over your life, then basically he also has to be the Lord of your wealth as well. Now, notice what he says. The wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you have kept back by fraud, cry out. God hears the cries of people who aren't being treated right by their employer. Mm -hmm. Especially when the employer cheats them. James is saying, God hears you. That the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, there's a reason why I wanted you to underline that phrase, 
the Lord of the Sabbath. Because that, that, that word, the Lord of the Sabbath, is another name for God that demonstrates the awe, the power, the majesty, the royalty of God, our creator. And James is saying that one day, the sovereign God is going to step in for the poor and that God is going to vindicate the poor. And so here, here are the implications. Here are the implications. Here are the implications. And if you don't get anything else, get this. If you are facing oppression and you know who God is in the pardon of your sin, faith requires that you remember that God is our strength and that God is our defender and temporary circumstances of oppression do not change the fact of the sovereignty of God who will ensure that one day justice will be done and that he will judge the oppressor. And let me dare say that he doesn't have to wait until you die and get to heaven to judge the oppressor. He can do that. And sometimes he does that in the here and now. I hope I'm helping somebody as far as this is concerned. All right. All right. Uh, verse five, you have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury or self-indulgence and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of the slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just, and God does not resist you. Here is what James wants us to understand. That when you have a life of pleasure and luxury where you do not help others, you always make the assumption that wealth should always be used first to meet your need. And that you be believe that your wealth will protect you or insulate you from the rest of the problems of the world. Okay. And have you ever seen people who got a lot of money and they act so smug and so arrogant and so prideful? Uh, that's what James is talking about when he talks about in pleasure and in uh, luxury. He is basically saying that you have fattened yourself for the slaughter. Now, let me close on, 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 on this note. And, and I hope and pray this will bless you. Money will mean nothing when Jesus comes back. That's why we have to lay up treasures in heaven. Now, if you don't get anything else, I want you to get what I'm getting ready to say right now. Money is not the problem. The church needs money. You and I need money to live every day. Money is never the problem. OK, missionaries need money to spread the gospel and do work. Churches need money to do work in the community. Uh, we need money to pay bills and stuff like that. Here is where a whole lot of folks misquote scripture. I've heard people say, you know, Bible said money is the root of all evil. No, money is not the root of all evil. Money is neutral. It's not even it's not either moral or immoral. Money is neutral. The Bible says that it is the love of money, the love of money that is the root of all evil. 
And I would even dare say, not only the love of money is the root of all evil, but the lack of money can be the root of evil too. <laughs> and unfortunately, when you love money, you will oppress people just to get more. Okay. All right. So, so this is why humility is so important. Now, I don't want you to think that God doesn't want you to have a good time. And I don't want you to think that God is against entertainment. I don't want anyone to think God doesn't want you to go see the Panthers play or the Hornets play or, 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 or enjoy yourself or go to a great club. I, I, I don't, I don't want you to think that God's got issues with that, but you gotta understand everything has to be submitted to God. And we got to realize that God is gracious to us. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life, but you should not make that an idol. You should not be selfish. Selfish is like fattening your soul for destruction. Okay. And James is really finishing up this part of his text by talking about how when you oppress others, to get rich, you are basically committing murder. Let me say that again. When you oppress others to get rich, you're committing murder. Because when those who are oppressed have no means of support and they die of starvation, that's murder. When you take poor people to court and they can't afford a lawyer to defend them and they lose everything and then they die because they, that's murder. James wants us to understand that when you treat others without regard for dignity, when you try to cheat them out of everything, when you defraud them of their, of their wages and you disregard their lives, God's going to judge you for that. God is against oppression. Now, the human law don't care one way about oppression or another, but God is against oppression. And that's why God built into the Levitical codes certain things, especially when it came to the economy of God. That's why the year of Jubilee was the year reset. People who were enslaved were set free. People whose lands were taken, they were supposed to go back to the original owner. That was the year of Jubilee. After seven Sabbath years, after year 49, the 50th year was the, was the year of Jubilee. And God was resetting things. Um, but let me really lay this down where the, hey, where, where the cows can get it. Because I can see, and whether you realize or not, we as Christians, we could fall into this trap. Because we could say, well, you know, this doesn't reply, apply to me. Uh, uh, I, 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 I don't do harsh business practices. Um, but let me say this. Especially to those who have benefited from slavery because their ancestors had slaves. You do benefit. All right. 
there's a whole lot of white people in America who are saying, well, I didn't own slaves. Yeah, but your ancestors did. And they gave you a great head start. And so every time you look at what you got, it is because my people, our people were enslaved and they worked for free. And I really do believe God's going to God's going to get some folks for that. I, I, I believe I know this may be a hard word that God's going to judge America for that. God's going to judge America for how we did slavery. I, I, I you know, don't want to do reparations. That's okay. When God judges America, trust me, it's going to go back to two monumental things. Number one, how the European defrauded Native American, the indigenous people of their land and took it from them and stole it from them. And number two, the treatment of the African in slavery. I really believe that God's going to judge America for that. And when he, God does, I don't know if I want to be anywhere around when that happens. But I do know if it happens in my time, I got I have to be a prophetic voice to say, this is what this goes back to. Yeah. But we as Christians can be kind of harsh too. Okay. Firing people that's getting close to retirement in your business. Not treating women uh, fairly when it comes to payment. Uh, yeah, God holds us accountable for that too. That's that's why one of the things I've done when I got to St. Paul is I increase um, the staff's pay because they were working like Hebrew slaves and Babylonian captives and they do great work. But my God, the wages we were paying them was horrible. As a matter of fact, and I'll share this and I'll just be transparent. I've been here five years. Every time I've gotten a bonus, I gave it to the staff. I gave them the I gave them the bonus. Because they they needed it. And I'm not saying that to brag, but I want to make sure staff is, is taken care of. I value my staff. I value them. God knows I wish I could pay them more. And and if we had a church that really was giving at the level that we should be giving, we could. They could be earning a lot more in corporate than what they're getting in the church. Um, rich folks, quite a few of them, they're not going to repent. But you and I, can live with the blessed assurance that because one day Jesus is coming back, he's going to right these wrongs. And um, uh, because Jesus is coming back, he's going to bring judgment and justice for those who are oppressed. Um, so that's what I want to close on as, as far as today. As far as today is concerned, um, um, God's issue is not with you having money. Here's the takeaway. God's issue is not with you having money. God's issue is when your money has you. 
And, and, and let me just say this for those that are listening. Uh, that's why I have no problem giving to God my tithes and offerings. Let me say that again. My tithes and offerings. Let me say that one more time for all of those. My tithes and offerings. I have no problem giving to God. As a matter of fact, I feel my first obligation is not to my mortgage, not to light bill, gas bill or whatever, but my first obligation is to God. Because when I do that, I'm showing that God is the one that has priority and preeminence in my life and not my salary. Any questions before we close out for today? Any questions? Any questions? Any questions? If you have a question, put it in the chat. If you have a question, put it in the chat. If you have a question, put it in the chat. If you have any questions, put it in the chat. All right. Uh, it seems that we don't have any uh, questions. I want to make sure that we're good as far as that's concerned. Um, as we prepare to sign off for the day, that you can um, you can give even at this time. And three ways you can give here at at, at St. Paul. Uh, the first one is by mailing check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, uh, Charlotte 28205. Or you can drop your check cash money order off at the church. Just call the church office first to make sure someone is there to receive your offering at 704-334-5309. Another way you can give is by um, going through ACS or Church Life. So going to our website and giving as far as that's concerned. And then uh, the other final way you can give is through Givelify. You can download that app to your smart device, connect it to your favorite uh, credit card, and in three clicks, three clicks, you, you can give uh, to the church. Um, St. Paul, I love you all. Uh, for those that are visiting with us, thank you for taking time out to share. My prayer and hope is that um, uh, as the Lord blesses you and if you have increase in your wealth, don't let your wealth become your God. Subject that to God's sovereignty and watch God bless you immeasurably. I don't want to be like the rich young ruler who walked away sorrowful because I trusted my possessions more so than I did my God. Um, I want to be uh, of such that whatever the Lord blesses me with, that I give it back to him because I know that God can take my little and do a whole lot more than I ever could. And I sign off with this. I would rather have 90% with God than 100% without God. Let me say that again. I'd rather have 90% of my income and money with God than to have 100% without God. Well, listen, have a have a blessed, blessed um, uh, rest of your time as far as uh, the day is concerned. Uh, I hope and pray that this lesson has been encouraging for those who need to be encouraged and convicting for those who need to be convicted. And if you've been convicted, there's always a wonderful opportunity for you to make a change to get things right with God. Until next time, 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. And uh, Lord, let his face shine upon you, give you the peace that goes beyond all understanding. Next week, we're going to talk about how to be patient when you're going through trouble. God bless you all. I'll be preaching on this text on Sunday. So that should be interesting as well. So you all pray for me as I continue to develop uh, this sermon. God bless. Take care.